Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Oh, What a Marvel, the Marvel podcast right here on Merc with a Movie Blog. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, and I'm here to talk about What If Season 1, Episode 2, What If T'Challa Became a Star-Lord. That's right. This is an episode that a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, you know, it's the last appearance of uh, Chadwick Boseman as the character of T'Challa. And so, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's been real highly anticipated, you know, including by me. So uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. I, I, I loved watching it. Um, I, there were, I'll, 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 I'll say this up front. I had some issues with this episode, which I'll dive into as we, as we go through. Um, but I also loved quite a bit about it. So, uh, when this episode was first announced, uh, I, I didn't really know exactly where they were going to go with it. You know, obviously with this whole what if series, that's kind of the whole thing. You don't really know what they're going to do. Uh, but then last week we saw the, uh, Captain Carter episode and that episode kind of followed the story beats of Captain America, the first Avenger. It really did just putting Peggy in Steve's place. Really. Uh, if you watch it, it really just follows all those same beats, just truncated. Uh, so after watching that episode, I was really worried that when we got to this one, it would just essentially be a rehash of Guardians. You know, um, like he would meet up with them and all this other, and everything would, would happen that way. Luckily, that is not what we got here. We got something completely different, uh, a whole new timeline uh, branch going on here. Uh, it starts off with that opening from guardians um after the whole singing or whole dancing portion of it which i'll be honest man i was kind of bummed that we didn't get any of that great music i understand why that was a peter quill thing it comes from you know his mixtape and all this stuff but like I, i missed that in this i really did i missed being in that world and not having that great that great music um so like i said we we started off the episode uh, with Star-Lord attempting to steal the orb. Uh, then we get Korath coming in uh, to stop him, just like what happens in, in the first Guardians movie. Um, and then we get the big reveal that Star-Lord is, in fact, T'Challa. But I don't understand why they kept it a secret in the opening part of this episode. Because like in Guardians, before he even gets to the point that they start this episode in... Uh, Star-Lord has already taken his mask off. So you see that it's, you know, Chris Pratt and everything, and he's doing his dancing and all this other stuff. So, but the the issue that I have is this episode is literally titled T'Challa became, uh, you know, what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord? So we already know T'Challa is Star-Lord. So I don't understand why they felt the need to kind of like almost hide it and make this big reveal as if we were going to be like, oh, Shit, it's T'Challa. Because, like, we already knew. You know, I mean, maybe I'm just nitpicking, but it, it kind of it bothered me a little bit. Um, especially because Guardians is one of my favorites. I love that movie. Uh, and that opening scene is fantastic. So, But, uh, like I said, we get Korath. Comes in, you know, does the whole, uh, you know, tries to stop him from taking the orb. Uh, and then... As soon as T'Challa takes off the Star-Lord helmet, 
Korath sees his face and he knows who he is. He knows that he's Star Lord and he starts like fanboying out about it. And I did not like this at all. I did not like this uh, version of Korath uh, that they that they put into this. They turned Korath the Pursuer into Korath the Bitch. Like really, he just he, I didn't like what they did to his character. You know, he they have him just like fawning over Star Lord. He even gets down on his knees for like I don't know, man. I, I was I was not a fan of that in the movies. Korath is this menacing figure, you know, he works for Ronin. And in this, he like whines about Ronin, you know, he's like, Oh, my boss Ronin. I'm just like, really dude? Like that's what, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'd love to hear your guys thoughts, <laughs> you know, hop on Twitter at movie blog. Let me know uh, <laughs> what your thoughts were on this whole thing. But I, I, I was not a fan personally of that part. Uh, now I do love that we got to hear Chadwick Boseman again, you know, like I said at the beginning, you know, this was his final take as this character, um, and getting to hear him, you know, with the, with the accent and everything and just with that kind of bravado of T'Challa, it's, it's, it was fantastic, you know, uh, Everything that I did not like about it just kind of it, it it's it's softened. I'll say it's it's softened just by being able to hear uh, his voice. Uh, so in this kind of opening sequence, we learn that uh, this version of Star Lord is essentially a Robin Hood type, taking from the powerful, giving to the powerless. Uh, after, like I said, after Korath. Uh, you know, he, he's whining about Ronin and all this stuff. He even, even hints at, uh, you know, that he might switch sides just because of how much he, like, apparently admires Star-Lord. And he does wind up doing that. We, we see that uh, a little later on. Uh, one thing that, uh, again, there's a, <laughs> a lot of small things that kind of bothered me in this episode. And most of it, again are kind of nitpicky. Um, but, you know, I want to be honest with you guys. I want to give you my, my true take. Uh, I don't just want to sugarcoat everything and tell you, oh, it's fa- it's a 10 out of 10. Because, I mean, it's not. Um, and that, you know, I, I absolutely loved what Chadwick did here. But it's a lot of the other stuff throughout the episode that I had uh, some issues with. Though there was an issue uh, that I had with the character of T'Challa. And that is that... It, at this point, you know, we do eventually learn, you know, obviously that he was taken as a child, just like Peter was. Yet, he seems to be able to move and and fight like he is already Black Panther. You know, he's got that quickness, that agility. We see in a later scene toward the end where he's like jumping around from like crate to crate or, or whatever, just like he would as as Black Panther. And I'm like, I don't see him being able to do that. You know what I mean? He wasn't trained that way. He didn't, hey, you know, he didn't drink the flower or what, you know, or whatever. Um, whatever it was. Uh, he just, I don't, under, like, I don't know. I felt like they were just trying to be like, look, it's Black Panther. And I'm like, but he's not actually 
Black Panther. You know, he's T'Challa. He's Star-Lord. And I feel like they should have kind of pulled back a little bit when it when it came to that. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I'm sure I'll have people who are disagreeing with me, but that's the internet. Uh, so T'Challa manages to take down Korath and his soldiers uh, and escape with the orb, but he decides to take Korath with him uh, and recruit him to the Ravagers. Obviously, he, you know, he wants to uh, kind of be on the side of Star-Lord, so it seems like it's an easy recruit. Uh, he exits to find dozens of soldiers just waiting there for him and is saved by Yandu. We get to finally see Yandu here uh, and his awesome flying arrow just taking out dozens of dudes, which is uh, fantastic. I love that. And uh, Michael Rooker is great. And that's the, that's the other awesome thing about this. Almost every single person in this uh, episode is reprised by their voice, you know, by their actors. Their voices are done by uh, the people who actually portrayed them in the movies. There's only, I think, three characters total um, that don't. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm jumping way ahead in some spots. Uh, eventually, we see Drax. Um, we see Corvus Glaive. Both of those characters are voiced by different, you know, somebody who did not play them. And in fact, they're voiced by the same guy, uh, Fred Tatsica. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, he's a, he's a voice actor. He's done, he does tons of stuff. I've seen him in so many things or heard him, I should say, in so many things. Um, but yeah, when we get there, I'll talk a little bit more about it, but I, I really wish Batista had returned for Drex. Just, I mean, I know it was a, it was a small part, but I, I really wish that he had. Um, and then Peter Quill at the very, very end, uh, we see a little scene with with Peter Quill. It's not Chris Pratt; it's uh, it's somebody else as well. Um, and we'll we'll get to that as well. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump to that far ahead, but uh, I'll have more to say about that. Uh, so apparently, Tatawa's presence. Uh, in this uh, branched timeline, uh, I guess you'd call it, uh, has turned the Ravagers good. Like I said, he's become like a Robin Hood kind of character and has molded, essentially, or convinced the Ravagers to take on that same mission uh, as him. Uh, also, if you're paying attention in this, when they leave, uh, you can actually see the name of T'Challa's uh, ship, and it's the Mandela, which I thought was a fantastic choice. Obviously, named after Nelson Mandela, I thought it was uh, just a great, great detail uh, to see. It's just, it's real quick. They don't say it. It's just, it's on the ship, like painted on the ship as it flies off. If you, it's like a blink and you might miss it, kind of a thing. Uh, but it, yeah, I thought that was a great uh, little detail because it would obviously have a different name, something that meant something to him, just as it did to Peter. Uh, so then we flash back to Wakanda in 1988. T'Challa is a young boy. He just wants to explore the world, but his father does not want that for him. You know, he he's he's got royalty in his blood. He's he's he is destined to be a king, or in this timeline. A lord. <laughs> uh, so late one night, young T'Challa, he's outside throwing a spear around, and he throws it out past the barrier. Uh, he goes after it, and this is when he's found by the Ravagers. He is uh, taken by mistake as they were searching for Peter Quill. But in this timeline, 
this is where where it branches. Uh, Yandu apparently decided he was going to send some others out to find Peter. Uh, he sends Craglin and Taserface to do the job instead of doing it himself. And uh, this, uh, you know, using a term from uh, Loki, uh, was what I'm calling the Nexus event, uh, which created this branched timeline because it, you know, that choice, you know, the watcher says, you know, it's all about choices. You know, you make one different choice, just like in the first episode, Peggy chose to stay in the room and it changed everything. Well, Yandu chose to stay on the ship and send someone else looking for Peter and it changed everything. Uh, And so Yandu offers the show T'Challa the universe. We then return to the present, which uh, in this is 20 years later, meaning that it's 2008, which I found really interesting because this means that T'Challa uh, went for the orb six years prior to when Peter uh, did in the, in the main timeline because the Guardian, the first Guardians movie is set in 2014. That, that's where it is on, on the timeline. And so, you know, obviously T'Challa is a much better Star-Lord than Peter was. And, uh, you know, he, he got things going a lot quicker. You know, a whole six years earlier uh, than any of that stuff. 2008, I mean, that's when the whole MCU started, really, you know. Um, and so, who knows how else it will affect the rest. I'd love to see more of this specific timeline this uh, this specific branch and see what like all the other avengers are doing but uh i mean that's that's not what they're going to do in this show it's going to be so many different things because uh as we saw in loki the branches they are a growing and i'll be honest okay so they talk about these timelines and everything the one thing i wish they would do at the beginning at the opening of all these episodes is just show that 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 visual of the timeline from Loki where it just starts to branch out. I would love to see just that. That way it shows you it's got some connection to Loki and that all of these what ifs are happening because of that. Because that, I mean, that that's what's happening here. There's no other reason behind it. That's what's happening here because of what happened in Loki. All of this other stuff is, is happening. So, if you haven't watched Loki yet, I'm sorry that uh, I may have spoiled some stuff for you, but go and watch the show. I mean, I mean just, just just watch it, seriously. All right, so uh, as the Ravagers are enjoying some drinks, uh, they're telling stories, Korath asks uh, how they stopped Thanos. So we get our first reference to Thanos. And then he shows up. He's there. In the bar. And he's a Ravager. That's right. Thanos is a Ravager. I was like, what? I saw Josh Brolin's name in the opening credits. So I was like, okay. That means Thanos is going to be in this episode. That's cool. But I didn't know what kind of, you know, uh, story they were going to weave with him. What, you know, what part he was going to play. They, uh, but they, they made him a Ravager. I was like, okay. I guess that's interesting. Um, apparently, T'Challa kind of like convinced Thanos that there was a better way to, alloc- to to reallocate the universe's resources instead of snapping every you know half of the <laughs> half of everything. 
uh, which is funny because they still they joke about that throughout. It's like a running gag throughout the whole thing where the Thanos still thinks it's like a solid idea. He's like, yeah, man, that was still a good idea. And everybody's like, it sounds a lot like genocide, you know? And they, it, they I think it's said like three or four times throughout the whole episode, which is, uh, it's like, it's a fun little running gag uh, when it comes to, to him. Um, however, I just don't buy this, man. You know, we spent years with this character uh, as a, as like a genocidal maniac. And now we're just supposed to, believe that this guy is tame and normal and it is a good guy he's trying to do good things for the universe why am i supposed to buy into that why am i supposed to uh just just be okay with rooting for this dude like i don't know it's it was a hard sell for me it was it was weird to watch uh some of his scenes just because it's like this is a, like the exact opposite of the character that we've been watching for years in the MCU. So uh, then we get a brief uh, cameo from Drax as a uh, bartender. And again, like I said, unfortunately not voiced by Dave Batista. And you can tell that that was the thing, you know, I was saying, I really wish that Batista had actually um, voiced Drax in this. I understand it's a very small scene. And so it probably wasn't worth it to, pay all that money just to have him be there for like two minutes but i just it, it kind of because like you can tell he just doesn't have that same gravitas that batista brings to that character um but uh i mean it it's a funny little scene he wants to take some selfies with uh t'challa it's it's it's, it's pretty funny um we actually learned that t'challa saved Drax's homeworld from destruction and that hit Drax's family, his wife and child are alive. Something that, you know, was not the case in guardians because Thanos had destroyed it, had killed his family. Um, and so they're alive. And well, he's just living his life. He's a bartender and he, he wants to take a, a selfie with star Lord to send to his family. I thought, I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I do feel like there were certain spots like that a little bit where it was a little too heavy-handed in the humor and the uh like hey hey look at who it is it's drax he's from guardians guys you know what i mean um but that's to be expected you know they do a lot of that kind of stuff in the mcu in general and you know when you're doing these kinds of stories you still want to be able to give the fans a little something um i just feel like sometimes they overdo it uh, so then enters Nebula, and this is this is not a Nebula like we've seen in the movies before. You know, she has very few modifications. I think it's just her eye, uh, her one eye. I think that's all that she's got. You know, because Thanos turned good. You know, and so he was no longer uh, torturing his his adopted daughter. Um, yeah. And so, like I said, very few modifications, long blonde hair and, and something I absolutely loved. She calls T'Challa cha-cha. It was, it was, it's great. She, Karen, Karen Gillian is, she pulls it off so beautifully. It's, it's amazing. I love her. She, she is fantastic. And, uh, while talking to Nebula, we learn that Wakanda has been destroyed or so T'Challa thinks. You know, we go a large portion of this episode thinking Wakanda is just gone. 
And I'm like, when that happened, like when I heard that line, I paused. I was like, holy shit. They destroyed Wakanda in this timeline. Like that's like, holy shit. Luckily, that is not actually the case, uh, as we'll find later on. <laughs> uh, but Nebula has a job for the Ravagers. You know, uh, she she wants them to steal something called the Embers of Genesis. It's a nutrient-rich cosmic dust from an ancient supernova with the power to terraform entire ecosystems. You can take, uh, I think she says, just an ounce uh, will uh, bring back to life a dying planet. You know, and so uh, that's the kind of thing right there. You know, you have scarce resources, something that uh, Thanos talks about. And that's the whole reason why he wants to snap the, you know, the entire you know universe. Uh, this can help. You know, it can help feed, as T'Challa says, billions and billions of people. You know, if not more. So, not trillions or whatever's above quadrillions. I don't know. Uh, so the question here is though, who are they stealing it from? Cause you want to know that, you know, you want to know who you are going up against before you do. And that would be the collector. Now you may be saying the collector, what? Come on. He, he's a pushover. Not in this timeline. He has now become the most ruthless kingpin in the intergalactic underworld he essentially took over for Thanos uh, after Thanos went sh- uh, went straight, and this this fucker is jacked, dude. He's fucking huge, man. It's ridiculous. Uh, Yandu really does not want to take this job. You know, he's he's afraid of uh, of the collector. You know, it seems everybody is. There are, there's good reason. You know, we find out later some stuff uh, that will drastically change the events that will take place on this, you know, in this, uh, world. Uh, and so, but, and here's the thing. Okay. We, I say it'll obviously change things. We have a timeline, right? I'm going to have some things to talk about later on because stuff doesn't seem to add up quite to me. Um, there may be a reason, but as of right now, some stuff doesn't seem to add up, as we'll get into later. I know I'm being kind of cryptic here, but uh, I'll, I'll dive into it a, a little bit uh, later. He, again, Yandu thinks this is a suicide mission. T'Challa convinces him to, uh, to take the job because it will help billions, he says, you know, obviously. It'll help all these people uh, to, if you can help to terraform these, these dying planets. So they have to travel to nowhere. Uh, if you guys have seen Guardians movies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, as this is now the Collector's base, he also has the Black Order working for him. That's right. Uh, I love how they just kind of go over the plan for this because it's a, it's a heist. You know, they're they're stealing something from the Collector, and they go over this plan exactly the way they would do it in a heist movie, you know, where they're like talking about the things that they're going to do while they're, while they're showing us on screen, them doing it and all that stuff. I, and I love that. It's like the, you know, the oceans movies and stuff like that. Though I love that kind of stuff. I love, I love a good heist movie. And so this scene really, uh, really just made me smile. I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, then, like I said, we get to see the, the collector 
and he is huge, man. Ripped, jacked, giant. Uh, not the scrawny little dude that we saw uh, long ago in the movies. And while Nebula and Yandu are keeping the Collector busy, T'Challa heads into the Collection Vault. Uh, we see some familiar faces there. We got uh, Cosmo the Space Dog, the uh, the Dark Elf that we saw in the original Collection Room, and my favorite, Howard the Duck. That's right. Howard the Duck is here. And uh, T'Challa breaks him out so that he can help him find the Embers of Genesis. Now... Can we please get a Howard the Duck animated series? It's like, please. I know that there was supposed to be one uh, for for Hulu. It was, I remember it was announced a long time ago when they first announced Modoc. And there was a couple other shows. Um, I know they're still doing one. Uh, like they did Modoc earlier this year, and Modoc was fan fucking amazing. If you haven't seen it, go watch it and then listen to uh, or watch the the Oh What a Marvel episode that uh, uh, we did here. Uh, on the we did a, a one episode full season. It's pretty long, but it's a full season kind of uh, go over a recap, whatever you want to say um, uh, for for that whole show. It's ten episodes on Hulu. I think they're like a half hour each. It's fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it. But Howard the Duck was supposed to be one of those Marvel Hulu shows. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the showrunner was Kevin Smith. He was he was doing it. Uh, Kevin Smith now doing um, Masters of the Universe, and so you know obviously he's not doing that. Uh, I I remember them saying that it got uh, canceled. That the, that the the Howard the Duck one got canceled, got scrapped, whatever. And so uh, I was really bummed because like I loved the little bit that we got of Howard the Duck in the movies. And then seeing him in this really just solidified the fact that we absolutely need to see a Howard the Duck animated series. And I know that Disney Plus is working on more animated shows in the Marvel Universe. And so I really hope Howard the Duck is going to be one of them. Okay, so uh, we get to see Proxima Midnight here. She's working the desk. She's like the security officer. Uh, and she discovers their ploy and locks down the building. Howard uh, and T'Challa get separated, and T'Challa finds a, a Wakandan spacecraft. That's right. We get to see some great uh, – we get to hear some great Wakandan music in this scene. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just – it was great to hear it, you know, just that, that – um, instrumental kind of in the drums and everything that we get from uh you know when from black panther and stuff like that so it was really cool to hear because we weren't hearing any of that uh, leading up to this point uh and it, it really set the tone for this scene in my opinion um in the ship we get to see all kinds of uh, great stuff we get some cool wakandan writing uh we see mannequins of the door Malage. Uh, and then a hologram message kind of pops up, and it's T'Challa's father, T'Chaka. He's still looking for his son years later. When we saw him in 1988, he was a young man, you know, no, no, not gray or anything. But this message, he is much older, gray hair. You know, it's it's the the T'Chaka that we see in in the movies, and this is when T'Challa realizes. Wakanda hasn't been destroyed. 
my father is much older, which means that everything that I was told was a lie. And he doesn't, he doesn't quite know what to do with that. It's, it's pretty clear that T'Chaka sent this spacecraft. Uh, you know, he sent it into space to search for his son because he was never going to stop. He was never, he was never going to stop. Uh, so back with the, with the rest of the team, approximately midnight, like I said, uh, discovers that ploy and things really just unravel from there because unbeknownst to us, Nebula has double crossed the Ravagers and uh, that that revelation about uh, being lied to from T'Challa uh, is short-lived because Nebula enters the ship with a gun and double-crosses the team. Or does she? Hmm. In the jail cell, uh, T'Challa, he's pissed at Yondu for lying about Wakanda. And that's understandable, you know? I would 100% be furious about that. And I feel like he holds it together way better than I would. Uh, then we get Corvus Glaive. He comes by, opens up the cell, and just whacks T'Challa in the face with the with the pointed end of that staff weapon thingy that he uses. Now they show it like f- from T'Challa's point of view, and the point of that of that staff thing literally comes at his face. And I'm sitting here. I'm like, because I watched the episode twice before I did this, and I'm like, both times I said to myself. That would have literally impaled his face. It wouldn't have knocked him out. It wasn't a blunt, you know, object. It was literally a sharp, pointy weapon that would have just impaled his face, you know, and, and killed him. So I, I think that uh, that was a a bad move to do in the episode. I think they should use something else. Uh, you know, had him do it, or like you know, had him swipe it against him. You know, side of it pop, or just had him punch him or saw anything else he could have done almost anything else uh but the way they the way they have like showed it i was gonna almost say shot it but it's it's i mean it's it's animation so the way they drew it i guess um really just made it me feel like oh yeah he just got impaled in the face so i don't know <laughs> uh then we get to uh the collector t'challa is in a cell and the collector has plans here. He has plans to make T'Challa his new piece of art. Uh, Nebula goes over to the Ravagers and takes out Corvus Glaive, revealing that this was always the plan and that T'Challa was in on it. A triple cross, as uh, Korath says. And uh, she even has the embers. So, you know, we got uh, Nebula doing exactly what Nebula does, you know. A double cross, a triple cross, who knows what side she's really on ever. Uh, that's exactly, that is Nebula, you know. She she don't, she apparently does not change. Uh, and then T'Challa manages to get out of the cell. He uses his necklace uh, as like claws and punches the, the, the glass to the cell, breaks out. And then just starts like jumping around uh, from like cell to cell like he's Black Panther. I mentioned this a little earlier. And I'm just like, what is going on here? He he isn't Black Panther. He shouldn't physically be able to do these things. 
but he does. I I don't know. They never they never cover. It. It's not like they're like, oh, when he was a kid, they gave him the powers. I, I mean, as far as I know, that's not the case. Maybe I missed something in the movie. Um, guys, let me know at Movie Blog Merc if I'm missing something here, because I would love to know if if there's there's an actual explanation to it. Uh, so then we get Ebony Maw who catches him. You know, he's 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 doing his jump around thing. He's trying to get, you know, uh, he's trying to get away. And, and Ebony Maw, he uses his little powers. He he kind of binds him up with like some glass, which I thought was was pretty cool. Um, but you know, he's got him. But not for long because Karina takes down uh, Ebony Maw because she is tired of being someone's prisoner. You know, T'Challa inspired her. You know, he gave a little speech earlier about how, uh, you know, this world is not kind to men who uh, keep others in cells or something along those lines. I'm probably butchering the line, but uh, and she she heard that and, and was inspired by it and it inspired her to help. Uh, you know, help out T'Challa and, and kind of free him. So then T'Challa goes off and finds the collector, and they begin to fight. The, the, the collector has the severed arm of Korg and uses it to punch T'Challa, uh, which I was like, when he first pulled it out, I was like, holy shit, is that Korg's arm? And sure shit, it's Korg's arm. And I'm like, oh, that just breaks my heart. <laughs> uh, he then opens up a large crate of weapons. And inside is Captain America's shield and Thor's hammer. Now, this is what I was talking about. Thor's hammer is whatever. That could, you know, he could have gotten that at any point, you know, in the deviation of, you know, in the last 20 years. However, if this is supposed to be 2008, I'm like, Pretty sure the MCU starts in 2008. That's the whole thing. You know, Tony, like Iron Man is 2008. And Iron Man shows up at the end of Captain, uh, or no, I don't think he does. No, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the Hulk, but it comes after. I'm pretty sure uh, when, when Steve wakes up, it's after 2008. So where did he get the shield? You know, did he, randomly steal it from Howard Stark. I, I don't know. Cause it's the circular shield. Uh, I'm curious. I, I, I feel like maybe they should have used a different shield uh, of his, like, cause I'm pretty sure he had a shield on him when he, when he was frozen. So maybe he had found that shield at some point. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it seemed out of place. It's, it's what it seemed like. It felt like was them just be like, oh, look, it's Cap's shield and Thor's hammer. Ha ha, look at that Easter egg. But in this, what that means, it, it what it seems to mean is that there's not, there, there is no Captain America now. There is no Thor, which means there's probably no Avengers. I mean, there could be. Because Nick Fury was still building it, and he starts with Tony, so it could be, but it's going to be a very different team, probably. Um, and I kind of really want to see what it, I kind of really want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. But uh, those aren't the only things that he has in that crate. He pulls out another item, and it's Hella's helmet. And I was like, "Oh shit, he's got Hella's helmet." That means that he probably took out Hella. That's impressive. You know, that that's 
I mean, the co- the collector has earned his uh, the the fear that everybody seems to have for him. So as all of this is going on, the Ravagers they are uh, facing off against the remaining members of the Black Order. We've got Proxima Midnight, we've got Cole Obsidian, plus a whole bunch of soldiers uh, that are along with them. Uh, Thanos tells them to go, and he stays back to fight. You know he's making the you know he's. He's making the noble sacrifice here. And it's so weird because it's Thanos. And I'm like, I don't know how to feel about this. You know, he gets pummeled by, by uh, Cole Obsidian. And I'm just like, am I supposed to feel bad for this guy? Because I don't. I don't, ha- I don't feel bad in any sense of the word for Thanos at this point. I just don't. I, I, I'm sorry. I just don't. Um, but, you know, Nebula being his daughter. You know, still, you know, somewhere deep down, loves her father. Uh, hadn't been put through as much torture as the Nebula that we know. Uh, obviously, there was some, but he had become a changed man. So to her, there was still something there that she could grab onto. Um, and she runs in. She, you know, stops Proxima Midnight, uh, unleashes it. And then she, what she does, which I thought was pretty badass, she pulls out the embers, opens it, and just lets like five little flakes, little dust flakes or whatever of it float into Cole Obsidian's mouth. And as soon as he swallows, he just erupts in a giant like beanstalk vine kind of thing. And it just starts completely taking over the planet or the, uh, the base. Cause they're, they're on, they're in, no, they're in nowhere. So it just completely starts taking over, which is, insane and, and awesome and i and i absolutely uh loved it and it just like destroyed just decimated cold city and just exploded him from the inside out which is pretty pretty badass uh then they run to the ship jump in and take off uh so then back with uh, t'challa he's pinned to the cell wall yandu uh comes in shatters hella's helmet with the arrow uh but i was like okay that's cool but to quote Thanos in Infinity War, should have gone for the head. Like, literally, he didn't see the arrow coming, and it came directly at his face. Helmet's here. If he had gone just a little lower, right through his face, dunzo. You know, it would have just impaled through him. Boom. Dude would be dead. And <laughs> Thanos, he, he had a point. He should have gone for the head uh so when yandu tries to send the arrow back collector just catches it and snaps it and that's why i said man you, you gotta make that first shot count gotta make it count so as the collector is beating on yandu uh t'challa frees himself and they just both go after him uh, they manage to outsmart the collector and trap him in a cell and after they leave karina frees all of the collector's prisoners and lets them take their revenge uh, they take the Wakandan ship and escape from nowhere, uh, taking Cosmo, the super or the space dog, uh, with them, which I think is uh, really cool. I like that a lot. Uh, T'Challa decides he wants to return home to Wakanda, uh, and he's going to bring his new family there to meet uh, the rest. So we get a quick scene uh, on Wakanda with uh, you know he you know he sees his 
he sees his family. We got, uh, you know, his mom, his dad, his sister Shuri's there, a whole bunch of Dora Milaje are there. Uh, then we're like in like a banquet hall kind of a scene and we get this quick shot of Okoye and voiced by, uh, uh, deny, I think it's deny Guerrera is her name. Um, and she's talking to Thanos and it was really just weird to see. And that's where we get another, uh, uh, of the, you know, the, that sounds like genocide, uh, gag again. Uh, you know, cause like I said, it runs throughout the whole episode. Uh, we got Korath trying to like hit on some woman, that's there, and uh, we get Ch- uh, T'Challa and Yandu sitting down with T- uh, T'Challa's parents and a nice little reunion for him. And that's kind of where that part of the story wraps up. But it's not the end of the episode. We get a, a, a nice little extra scene where Peter Quill on Earth mopping the floor of a Dairy Queen. You know, so he he didn't he didn't go into space. He just lived his life. You know, his mom died. And he just lived his life. You know, he's got his headphones on, the, the orange headphones with the Walkman, and he's listening to his music, mopping the floor. And then someone walks in. And he, he turns, he's like, sorry, man, we're closed. And it's Ego. And he's like, uh, not even for your dear old dad? And that's, and his eyes glow, and that's where it ends. The Watcher says uh, something uh, along the lines of, you know, this might spell... Uh, the end of the world, but that's a story for another day. And I'm like, oh, come on. If I don't get that story in season two, I'm going to be very angry because <laughs> they had, they already like they confirmed a season two a, long, a while before the show even started. Um, and they had said that season two episodes, some of them will tie into season one episodes. And so this better. I, I mean, I want to see what happens next in the Captain Carter episode, you know, like what happens now that she's in the present day. And I want to see what happens with Peter Quill and ego because Peter is just living this shitty life. Now he has no reason to not side with ego and fucking destroy the, the fucking world. Like really? So like, it's going to something, it's going to be wild and I I'm here for it, man. I am here for it. Uh, then the episode ends with a beautiful little dedication to the late Chadwick Boseman. Uh, you know, rest in peace, man. It's, uh, he went too young, went too young. Um, but that's the episode folks. This was a, a, this was a good one. Like I said, there were some, some issues that I had with it. Um, uh, compared to the previous episode, I think that it had more, uh, more going on, you know, definitely had, had a bit more, um, that, that I was interested in, uh, be, mainly because that that first episode, like I said, was essentially just beat the same beats as the uh, uh, Captain America: The First Avenger, you know, but just with Peggy, which was cool to see. But I was hoping for m- something different, and that's what I got with this. I got something different than Guardians. Um, I do kind of wish that we got to like, cause we got the little cameo of Drax. I, I was hoping that maybe we'd get a little popping of a uh, rocket um, or Gamora. I'm assuming though, that Gamora was never in this world, never Thanos's second daughter. Um, I'm assuming that, cause I mean, they don't specifically say it, but there's no mention of her or anything like that. Um, so my thought is that, he went he went good before the events that would have taken half of her planet 
and then obviously taking her as well. So she just living her life, doing her thing. Uh, a normal person, you know, a normal, a normal person, not this assassin that we get, that we got to see, you know, a completely different character. So I thought that was, that was interesting. We didn't get to see like a like Groot. That would have been really cool. But uh, it, I mean, I get it. And who knows where those characters were six years ago compared to where we saw them. We saw them in 2014. I don't know what Rocket and Groot were doing six years prior to that. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, so there it is, folks. That is uh, season one, episode two of Marvel Studios. What if? Uh, what if T'Challa became a Star Lord? That's right. So uh, thank you for joining me today. I am Josh the Merc Rainer. Be sure to check out Merc with a movie blog. As you see right down there at Movie Blog Merc on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Merc with Movie Blog on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you're you know if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to uh, you know hit that like button if you like what you're watching and smash that subscribe button. You know we want to get those subscribers out and uh, hit the little bell. You know it'll notify you anytime something uh, else pops up. And if you're uh, into other types of TV, we have a How I Met Your Mother podcast on this uh channel uh right here on the uh the youtube channel um if you're listening if you're an audio listener um there's a pod the podcast is called last call at mclaren's uh and it has its own podcast feed so be sure to check that out but the video is right here on Merc with the movie blog last call at mclaren's um i do trailer reactions uh, i'm gonna be do i'm gonna start doing actual movie reviews and and more content things like like top 10 lists and, and stuff like that uh, as well. We have a new podcast audio only coming soon called Prime Picks. Uh, it's hosted uh, by uh, one of my friends, Mike. He's in, and he's going to bring on guests for people that are on this channel a lot. Sean, Dean, myself, Sarah, a lot of other uh, Jay Wade, a lot of other people that you've seen on uh, Oh, What a Marvel. And uh, they're going to be, what they are going to be doing uh, every week is picking a, one movie from uh, Amazon Prime from Prime Video, and you know watching that and reviewing it and talking about that. So uh, keep an eye out for that. It's going to be uh, launching uh, pretty soon. So yeah, again, this has been Oh What a Marvel uh, for the new series What If, and uh, I hope that you guys come back next time. See you next week, episode three.